I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast. I'm Yvette. And I'm Ellen. And we're in a Bills in High Street, Kensington. And this week we're here with Tina Campbell. She's going to be chatting about the time that she spent in a mental health unit. And there's quite a lot of fear around the idea of mental health units. So we thought we'd just have a chat, see what happened to her and find out what really goes on there. Before we get into that, let's have a brief recap of what happened last week when we chatted to Vicky Chandler about health anxiety. For me, it's a wide variety of things. I tend to go from one health issue to another. And basically, it's me convincing myself that I have some sort of deadly disease or issue and it's going to kill me. Yes, have a listen and please subscribe to our previous shows. So, back to Tina. Tina, thanks so much for coming to chat to us. Basically, we're going to be talking about the time that you went into a mental health unit. Why were you there, first of all? I was there because I had made several attempts to kill myself and was not in a great place. Okay. So can you talk us through sort of what had um, built up to that? Basically, I had just come out of a very long-term relationship. It hadn't been a great ending. And uh, also I had lost a job recently and I'd been unwell. I'd, been, I'd had appendicitis, which had turned into pneumonia and uh, just not a great time all around. Mm. And it was just after Christmas. So I've been in a mental health unit too as an outpatient. Were you inpatient or outpatient? Inpatient. Okay. Can you just sort of talk us through a little bit what it was like, like what it looked like, um, what the staff were like? It looked more like an old people's home, actually. It was just sort of lots of wooden flooring and armchairs and lots of board games. Was there rubbish on the TV as well? I don't really remember there being a television, to be honest. (laughs) You were free to walk around, but the sort of front doors were locked. And uh, the staff, generally, I didn't find particularly caring. Um, for example, I was told one day, oh, what's wrong? Are you in pain? That's why we don't try to kill ourselves, is it? 
and when I tried to complain about that I got called a liar and my mum also tried to complain on my behalf and they just weren't having any of it. That is terrible. It is terrible but 100% true. Yeah. How did you find the other people who were in there with you? The other people I found um, well there were all kinds of people in there that were not just necessarily you think mental health you think you know one flew over a cuckoo's nest all in straight jackets there were no straight jackets there were alcoholics there there were people with eating disorders people who were just mentally vulnerable maybe emotionally vulnerable you know and I just felt we were all put there because they didn't know where else to put us when I went to a mental health unit as an outpatient I felt like it was a shit youth club I sort of had a friend in there already did you make any friends from it or was it really not yeah I did make a couple of friends because I don't know if you felt it even just as an outpatient it helps if you try and sort of integrate and that could be a very isolating experience we played ping pong one day karaoke (laughs) which was fun um, just played games. Just Are you now very good at ping pong as a result? I've never been good at ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good skill to learn while in there. Good use of time. What kind of structure was there to the day? Were there specific activities? There was no structure. That was the strange thing. I was, I was on no medication whilst I was there. Um, other people were, but I wasn't. So I was totally lucid, which apparently is quite rare. Um, I saw a doctor occasionally, but there was no actual kind of therapy. I was just there. Um, I think it was more to just protect me from myself, you know, so mm. I couldn't go hurting myself and just give me a bit of time out from the world. But it was just like I was in limbo. How do you actually kind of get into the hospital? Is that you go to the doctor and they recommend you? Like, how does that work? No, it was it was all a bit strange. So um, first of all, I had sort of like the local mental health team looking after me. Um, and then uh, after one particular attempt led to me being hospitalised because I nearly had to have a liver transplant, not a great place. Um, I spent one week on a regular ward just in a normal hospital and then I had to see a doctor. I thought it was just a formality to go home. Uh, He asked me to do things like I had to write the first word that came into my mind. I wrote hello, joined up writing. I didn't really take it very seriously and he just suddenly shut his file and said, you're going to do it again. You either go voluntarily or, you know, we're going to section you. And I was just really shocked. Because I was like, well, where did that come from? I wrote hello. Were you worried about going into the hospital? Or were you like, okay, this might be helpful? I just didn't know what to think. Yeah. I had been very poorly. You know, obviously I'd been in hospital for a week, very, still quite ill. I didn't really have a choice. I didn't want to be sectioned, obviously. Um, my parents were very supportive throughout the time. So was my brother. Um, so I went with my parents. They checked me in. So how long were you in there for? I don't actually know. I think it was literally a couple of months. It didn't seem very long. It's just mm. time kind of stood still. None of my friends came to visit either, except, well, one did. I think because I'd alienated a lot of them through my depression. Coming out of it, do you think it was helpful to be in there? Like you were saying, you didn't really have any therapy or medication? No, I don't think it was particularly helpful. So I think it yeah. just protected me from myself. I think a lot of people are put into those places to protect them from themselves rather than outside, you know, the public. Um, it's just unfortunate the sort of stigma that goes with it. They think, oh, you're there because you're going to hurt someone. No, it's not a prison. You're not there because, you know, you've murdered someone. Unfortunately, not a lot of people see it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever actually seen an instance of a mental health unit on TV or film that is sort of anything close to what I experienced. Pretty Little Liars had a pretty sort of horrible they were mental awful. health place. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I think maybe Skins, when Effie, sort of, I think she has bipolar, she goes to a place and it's 
kind of it was I mean it was sort of like people just sort of running around outside and it stuff. It was very fancy. They had yeah. kittens and everything. It was very sort of fancy. And then um I've been watching Bates Motel as well. And that's I don't know, fancy ones might be like that in terms of their foyers, but I haven't been to a fancy one. I don't really know if there are very fancy ones. The food wasn't very nice. I, was gonna ask I lost so much weight. I literally I went in there about maybe a size ten or twelve and I came out a size eight because I went shopping wow. afterwards. <laughs> I think I gained weight when I went in because um, I made friends with the girls. You know, it was a terrible idea, but I was friends with the girls with eating disorders. So it sort of came to lunchtime and I'd just have their crisps and stuff, which is, you know, not helpful for, e for either of us. Mm, it's so like just soup, sandwiches, that sort of thing. Yeah. But it was really green, the soup. And I remember one day a person kicked off about soup spoons. It was quite funny. There were no soup spoons. Were the staff capable of dealing with that? No, he had a bit of a thing. He without going into too much yeah. detail about him, um, he had a thing that if you mentioned soup spoons, he would kick off. And it just had happened, someone mentioned soup spoons. Oh, wow. Um, he'd apparently done this whilst he'd been in Selfridges or something like that before, so someone just did it for a laugh, you know, just to see what would happen. No malice meant in it, but... Yeah. No, it's difficult. And it's like, I think when it's so... When it's that easy to trigger someone, you can yeah. see why someone might just be like... You know, we're bored, we don't have any structure here as well. It's kind of like the Big Brother house, you know? Yeah. So you just wind each other up, I guess. What kind of stuff did you do then if you didn't have sort of anything kind of planned? Uh, we would literally just sit around playing games. Uh, there was Jenga, that someone had drawn devils on them, and various messages. So that was a bit fun to discover the message you were going to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, there were card games, just various board games. Uh, we'd talk a lot. Like people would sort of say oh, whilst they were there. My mum and dad came to visit me, which was nice. But just really nothing. It we does sound like the Big Brother house. Mm. You were not even allowed to go outside just to get some fresh air. My parents had arranged for me well, like a trip. We were going to go to Pizza Hut. And I remember being very upset they wouldn't let me go. Mm. 24 years old and they wouldn't let me go to Pizza Hut. And I was getting really upset. Is that just because it's like a rule where you're just not allowed out? No, they just felt that they just wanted to um, keep me in, just observe me for a bit longer. Some people were allowed just to go out to the shops sometimes. Yeah. Mm. They were trusted to come back. Yeah. We got to go out to the shops and again I sort of, you know, opened the doors for the girls that didn't like touching things and like yeah. <laughs> you sound As like you a do. good friend in the unit, honestly. Like you seem very helpful. Yeah, well enab Maybe, uh, in, an yeah, enabler, enabler I think is probably the the correct term. Enabling say, I'm sure the problems. patients were very happy with you. Maybe not the Maybe not the the nurses. Yes. It must be distressing when you're being told you can't do certain things and they're not providing anything for you to do. And also maybe you don't have any explanation of why these rules are there or I'd, anything. I would have thought maybe the thing with Pizza Hut, they might have been worried about, I don't know, knives or glass or something. Maybe. I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. The only thing like that, they um, confiscated my dressing gown uh, cord and my phone charger when I was admitted. They do that to everyone. It's just so you can't hurt yourself. And if you do want to... I don't think you got the, the cord back, but if you do want to use your phone charger, they will charge it for you in the office. Oh, so you kept your phone? Yes. That's so that's so slightly not like mm, the Big Brother house, but yeah. That's quite interesting. So you, were they all right with you going on sort of anything on the internet? I don't think my phone had internet. We're going back about almost 10 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Because I wonder if that would be the same now, because you yeah. could Google, you know, some... I don't... I think you stuff. might have had a limited amount of time that you could use, you know, set hours. Yeah. But, yeah, you were allowed to use your phone, which was a real lifeline. Yeah. Because mm. I was texting friends. Were you working at the time? Um, yes, I was. I had got a new job by that point. And actually, they were very good about it. That's really good. But my colleagues didn't know where I'd gone. 
um, I've spoken to them about it since and they just said that no they didn't know where I was they didn't know if I was coming back and I did get comments about how great I looked when I did come back or <laughs> well, slim anyway amazing <laughs> maybe a bit pasty but and were your bosses you just kind of explained what was happening and were they understanding I wasn't in a position to explain yeah. anything my parents um, I think were sort of like the go-between but when I came back um, they sort of did it gradually so they didn't expect me to work a full day or a full week um, but you know they were really really, really good, good actually because I'm sure some companies I was still on my probationary period as well I'm sure some would have probably found a loophole to sort of say no what would you say to someone who's I don't know been told that they need to go into one of them um, I would say don't see it as the end of your life um, use the opportunity to I mean if you've got to just be there just use the opportunity to work on yourself be it your confidence or whatever your reason is for being in there do some reading um, and don't think that you can't talk to people about it because it's becoming a lot easier, I think, to do so with so many people who are talking about it in the press, you know, like Prince Harry. Um, just, you know, don't be scared. Obviously, as a writer, um, that sort of must be a great outlet for you. Did you write at all when you were in there or were you not really in a place to do that? No, I didn't write at all whilst I was in there, actually, um, except for text messages. <laughs> and when you came out of the um, hospital did they give you any therapy afterwards or medication no um, they did offer me CBT with the crisis team but I did one session and decided it wasn't for me yeah um, but what I did do and I had sort of been doing before then was hypnotherapy um, my friend's uncle um, was a hypnotherapist and he'd sort of said to me oh you know my uncle's a hypnotherapist maybe that would help because I said I just wanted a way to sort of switch my brain off because I find, and I don't know if you do too of it, but at night time that can be when it's the worst because mm. it's just yourself with your thoughts and sometimes you just like to turn it off and hypnotherapy sort of gave me the opportunity to do that. Do you still use hypnotherapy? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. In fact, the hypnotherapist came and saw me in the uh, unit whilst I was there, um, but he's also taught me how to do self-hypnotherapy. Oh, amazing. Yeah. All you need is 10, 15 minutes when you're on a train, close your eyes if you can and just concentrate on your breathing, breathing different colours, you know, so whatever's your favourite colour, and just imagine that coming into your body, and it really does work. What other sort of things do you do with self-hypnotherapy? Because that sounds fascinating. We haven't talked about that on the show before at all. Other things you can do is you can sit with your fingers sort of like a couple of inches apart and then just slowly move your fingers closer and closer and just keep concentrating on it. And eventually close your eyes and just again concentrate on your breathing but it does work why are you doing it what's the main aim anxiety people are always surprised when i say i have anxiety because you always seem so happy but it can affect anyone um but yeah anxiety because if you get more and more wound up you're just going to feel worse and worse but it just gives you a way of just sort of letting go of that a little bit and another thing i sort of embrace is color therapy so dressing in bright colours. If you're feeling down, the best thing to have is a bit of yellow around you. So a yellow scarf, because it's a really uplifting colour. Grey is the worst thing to wear. That's actually why I used to... My wardrobe was literally like wall-to-wall grey when I was sort of like in my deepest, darkest depression. I just suddenly noticed it one day and I thought, well, I've never really liked grey. Why is everything grey? So bright colours are a must. I think my entire wardrobe is like grey and black and like light blues now. Blue's no, good. Okay, th this is fine. <laughs> You're allowed fine. blue. Just get rid of yeah, that. I just really like neutrals. But it I'm does really... Neutrals. Try it. Experiment. It really does affect your mood. I might try that. I know that I I did this feature a while back where I tried to be sexy for a week and one of the tips was um, wearing red. And I wore red for the day and I felt so like everyone's attention was on me. It was very strange. So... 
Yeah, I definitely think it can have an effect. Yeah, men are meant to be attracted to it. It's, I've definitely read articles about that. Yeah, mm. I think uh, you. Can I think it's funny because it just makes them sound like dogs, doesn't it? Just like <laughs> like they're that simple. Where it's just like, yeah. oh, red. I must go towards that yeah, person. Yeah, exactly. Like I've seen this guy. I don't find it attractive. Oh my gosh, he's put a red top on. <laughs> so that is exactly how it worked. I was flooded with offers from men. Yeah. Obviously. And other things I was taught to sort of increase your mood are to um, make sure that whenever you pass a mirror, to smile at yourself. It's actually really hard to do that, but the more you do it, it'll just become a habit. Mm-hmm. You just find yourself smiling. Has anyone ever caught you doing that? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. Someone caught me. Um, I did a really stupid thing a few weeks ago where I sometimes do this thing where as I'm leaving the bathroom, I'll just you know, give myself a little point or a yeah. thumbs up as I go. And someone walked into the work toilets as I was doing that. And just the embarrassment that flooded through my body. Oh, but, um, that's quite funny. And also it's quite 90s. Are you doing like the, like are you doing like the Will, is it the Will Smith? <laughs> Double the Will Smith. You, no one can see what we're doing with our fingers. So we're, we're both doing I'm it. If you can imagine, do you remember the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, that thing he used to do with his fingers, sort of flicking it? Yeah, that's what you like do. that. I just like to do it as a little... Confident boost, and I'm ready to get back to work. Yeah, but kind of like Joey Tribbiani, how you do yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. But just to myself, as a as a weird confidence thing. So that's why I had to check if anyone else has been through a similar embarrassment. But if I did see not. someone doing that, I actually probably would say, "You're looking very good today," because everyone loves a compliment. <laughs> that is so nice. <laughs> I'll do the same now if I ever see anyone anyone else doing similar finger guns to themselves or smiling. And the other thing you can do is write down five things a day that make you happy. So it can be you've seen a really cute cat or there's a lovely rainbow or, you know, whatever it is you see. Someone gave you flowers, anything. That's a really lovely idea. I'm trying to do this thing at the moment where I write down things that I'm grateful for because the Headspace thing that I do every morning recommended it. So Mm. now I sort of see all things I'm grateful for. And that's definitely sort of made me feel a bit happier. What are you grateful for today? I'm grateful for my team. We had a lovely meeting. Oh, there you are. That's lovely. What that's are you one of my things. happy about today? I had mermaid ice cream. Yeah. These are great things to be happy <laughs> and proud of. Yeah. Even if the mermaid ice cream did look like a penis. <laughs> that's fine. Check out Instagram to see. Well, we are really very angry about this shit. Yes, we are really very angry about this shit. Something I'm angry about this week is basically... It's a bit complex to explain. It's essentially people thinking that your relationship has a massive bearing on your mental health and kind of vice versa. Like a couple of weeks ago, I went to a different doctor than usual. And one of the first questions he asked me when we were talking about medication was, are you in a relationship? And I was like, yes. He said, are you engaged? And I was kind of like, well, what difference would that make? Like, I found that very, very odd. And then I thought back about some other instances like that where when I was a teenager and I went to um, basically to the doctor about a body confidence issue and she kind of looked me over and was like, do you have a boyfriend? And I said, no. And she's like, when you get a boyfriend, you'll feel better about yourself. What? When I was 16, which I think is appalling. And it just seems to be this general thing where it's like, a relationship will fix things. It's like, no, it won't. Like, I have a boyfriend now, still depressed, still affects things. And also the opposite assumption where it's like, well, you have a mental health issue, so you must also be single. It's like, no, I can find love too. Like, I'm not... Yeah. I just think people aren't understanding of the fact that relationships don't fix everything. And also you can be in a relationship without being a perfect, happy person. Yeah, I think 
probably thinking about it, the majority of our guests have been either married or have boyfriends or girlfriends. We've had some single people on too, but yeah, so I think that just sort of yeah, it proves, proves your it. point. I'm not sure I completely agree about sort of like it, your relationship maybe having sort of no effect because if you're like me and you have a mood thing, I think... Oh, yeah, it definitely it absolutely helps and it's a huge support if you have like a partner who's great, which I do, just showing off. Um, but I just think that shouldn't be the first question out of a doctor's mouth. Mm. Um, I don't really understand why he asked I, if you were engaged. That's very specific. I have no clue. And I kind of asked him. I was like, what does that have to do? And then he kind of moved on swiftly to the next question. I was a bit like, I'm puzzled by this. I don't know why. I've worked it out, Ellen. Was he hitting on me? He fancied you. He, he was... wanted to see how far it had gone, you see. <laughs> like, are you, are you in a relationship? Oh, well, but you're not engaged. I mean, Hello, that is ladies. how you do it. He was, however, in his 60s and married and also would be crossing many lines by trying to hook up with his patient although he, you know he's already crossing lines asking if i'm engaged yeah so. he, he just wanted a young mistress maybe and the challenge of seeing a patient maybe he's just really turned on by people who need medication for mental health issues maybe and also the chase of them being in a relationship but not engaged yeah that'll be too much yeah i'm sure may, maybe that is the case i just I'm just going to assume that no, it's just because he assumes that if you're engaged, you would therefore be happy and therefore it would make less sense for you to be depressed. So you're more deserving of pills. Whereas if you're single, it's like, oh, you're just sad because you're single and alone. <laughs> it's like, no, still depressed in a relationship. That's not how it works. I don't know. It's a tricky one because I do think there are a lot of... Um, Obviously, mental health issues do make dating complex and relationships complex. And, uh, you know, my previous relationships have kind of broken down partly as a result of my mental health issues. Mm. But I just don't want my mental health to define my relationships and also my relationships to define my mental health. They're completely separate things. They can interplay with each other, but, you know... It's I, unfortunate that he didn't explain why. Because, yes, I mean, I think sometimes... I I think sometimes mental health professionals or just doctors in general will ask about your relationships because they want to know about the support network exactly. that you have around you. But in terms of engaged. In terms of engaged, that's weirdly specific. Or if they're, if they're talking about putting you on a certain sort of medication, if they know you're, that you're planning to have children or you're in the process of trying to have a baby, they obviously have to take that into account. But yeah, it, I'm still puzzled it's by the engaged odd. thing. Maybe it's just because you've got that tattoo on your, your finger. Maybe he thinks that's instead of a... Added... That's my middle finger. Oh. That's not for engagement, that's for swearing. Stupid crap, my brain has told me. That's boy and Oh, stupid, 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 stupid. Stupid crap from my brain. I've decided to do a, a kind of retrospective on some of the most stupid crap that my brain's come up with. Because uh, I've been reading a lot of Harry Potter recently because it's its anniversary. And... Uh, I love Harry Potter, but when I was uh, manic, I, uh, I actually believed that I could do spells. So, yeah, that was fun. I mean, it wasn't fun. I'm, I'm obviously making fun Specific of it now. Specific spells? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was quite strange. Like, I'd, I, I remember the physical things that I was doing. Like, I'd put sort of flowers and water in a bowl. I can't remember what the aim of that was, but that was one of them. Um, there was something involving apples. I don't know what that was about. I remember, I suppose it's quite bizarre that this will happen to me when I was a teenager. 
and I do still remember the intent of one of them. And um, I guess it's fairly biblical because I was trying to reverse Eve's curse. That's what it was. That is very big, big ambitions big for ambition. a young wizard. Yeah. So that was... Uh, how, how were you trying to do that? Just mixing I flour think and water? It, I think it was something to do with the apples. So that was particularly sort of strange. Um, not at 4am. I mean, this was during manic phase. So it's just pretty much all the time. But yeah. I guess that... I don't know. It's been quite interesting through the series talking to different people with bipolar disorder about the different delusions that they've had and um, people like Erica with their hallucinations and stuff because it's it's kind of interesting what the brain comes up with, isn't it? Yeah, and what it specifically becomes like fixated on, mm. which I think is very interesting because a lot of it's coming from the same emotions, but it's just choosing wizards mm. or soft buildings it was before the time of harry potter as well so i don't know where the, the whole magic theme came from when i was younger i was very obsessed with fairies and also i managed to i had an overactive imagination in general but i kept trying to convince people that fairies existed mm -hmm. and i knew they didn't if any children are listening yes they do <laughs> but i would like get evidence and like really convince people because i found that really entertaining but we were always mixing potions and stuff like that i think it's just you can tell there's a difference when it's I'm doing this for fun or I'm mixing a potion because I genuinely believe I will fix something. I think Eve's curse is quite a heavy, heavy thing for someone to be worrying about. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Although when I was younger, there had been the film The Craft. So there was that. Mm, that might make sense. Mm. Well, it would have been great to levitate. Never mind. So this is goodbye. From mentally yours So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores From mentally, 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 mentally yours Mentally yours, mentally yours If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123 or go to their website, which is samaritans.org. If you like this week's episode, please give us a review on iTunes. We'll greatly appreciate it. And subscribe to us on iTunes, listen to us on SoundCloud, and follow us on Twitter. We're at Mentally Yours, with yours spelled Y-R-S. Thanks very much to our producer, Sam Bonham, and to Lucy Baker for the awesome jingles. Catch us again next week. Bye. Organisational problems, focus was a big thing. And it was like the things that I didn't recognise until kind of learning about it. So kind of I'd have to nap in the daytime because I was so tired. And that's just because when you wake up with ADHD, you have more thoughts by breakfast than somebody has all day. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 